we get to live in light of that, knowing that our, that our eternity is secure. The rest of the world does not enjoy that, those that do not know you or your son. So we are thankful for that. We pray that that comes through in the way that we live so that people might see that in us. So they might see peace, joy, other parts, other fruits of the Spirit, that they might be drawn to you. We pray that that is something that is a, always on our mind, recognizing that everything that we do, when we go down to the store, when we are at work, when we go to school, any place that we go, we are representing no longer ourselves, but we are representing you. So pray that you'd help us to do that well. We look forward to looking into your word today. Pray that you'd give Pastor Carl great insight, passion as he brings what you've put on his heart today. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. Are you all blessed this morning? Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I wanted to also extend to you a greeting from Guatemala, Christmas Day. I received an uh, instant message from uh, Pastor Jorge Ventura, and he is the pastor of the Compassion Site that many of you sponsor children. And so he wanted to thank you all for the blessing of the sponsorship of the children and looking forward to 2019, which from June 20th to the 30th, you can come with us, Pastor Justin and I, Laura, Christina, some other, other local pastors, not only to visit our children at the Compassion Center and other centers in the area in Guatemala, but also to do a pastor's conference there and to do outreach in the schools, in the nursing homes, and wherever else the Lord might take us. And so if that's something that you would have interest in, or you're saying, I don't have a compassion child, well, I'm sure we could find one for you. And so uh, that's something to be thinking about as 2019 comes up. Also, we'll be relaunching in um, Arizona with the Navajo Reservation, and Pastor Matt will be leading that. And so as we look forward to the year of 2019, keep your ears open, be praying about how you might go with us to one of these locations, whether it's domestically here in the United States or internationally. And we would also want you to join us in prayer for Aaron and Angie Green as they will take a group to Haiti uh, just in about a month. And so ministering there with the girls at the Hope um, Orphanage there and that you guys would join together in prayer. Also, I wanted to extend a personal thank you. Laura and I are just humbled by the outpouring of cards, prayers, and gifts at this time of the year. We are truly humbled and thankful. I believe that that's a result of the fact that we have a community, a body that is just really healthy, and it doesn't mean that we don't struggle or that we don't have difficult times within the body of Christ, especially our church or even in our community as, as we are part of Salem, but we are so thankful that we have a healthy body here that can minister to one another and then beyond the walls, minister to the others in need here in Salem and throughout the world. But personally, we want to just thank you for what is uh, oftentimes um, in ministry, uh, you know, we, we, we strive and we work and we pray so hard, but it's so much a blessing to be able to hear from you all personally, and so we really appreciate that. And so let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we come to you and we thank you for this word. We thank you for the words of the psalm, psalmist this morning uh, out of Psalm 102 and 103. Um, and I thank you that not only can we state that we are blessed, but that we can understand how blessed we are because you describe in what poor condition we are before salvation. 
And I pray this morning that we would look beyond the finances, beyond the physical health, beyond the potentially even difficult relationships around us, work issues, education issues, family life, and let us see that true blessing comes with knowing personally Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And we thank you that at a time like the new year that we can reflect upon the year that we just experienced, but that we would not just consider our blessing and salvation at the new year, but that we would consider it each day. But also that we would not look at the, the new year and the first of January as another year to make commitments to you, ones that we struggle to keep, but that daily we commit our lives to put off that old self and to put on the new self which is Christ in us. And I pray that we would learn from the message here the words of a man that had experienced much suffering but also much blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to open up your Bibles and you take a look at your notes, we'll see here, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And most of us would know a portion of that as part of the doxology. And we come to the end of another full year. Um, no one uh, that I know of can actually tell us why it is that uh, other than the calendar and the fact that we are a culture or cultures of keeping track of the days, a seven-day week, a month, a 12-month year, that we come to the end of a year and the beginning of a year and we reflect back as if this one specific day, the last day of the year and the beginning of the year. That is an assignment sent to us from the Lord. In fact, there are no references in the Bible that say that we would reflect on the last day of the year and at the beginning of the year to make new commitments to anyone. But that we might examine ourselves is a principle in Scripture that can be found all around Scripture, that we would examine ourselves, but that we would contrast, examine myself to a holy God and that that should actually be a daily event, but that also that we should make commitments or make the effort to put on the new self in a daily way, on a daily basis, not just one day out of the year. But now that I've said that, there's no better time than right now to reflect upon the last 300 and so many days and to consider what will 2019 be like. So at the end of another full year, we often reflect on our physical, financial, and relational condition, right? We look back at how did this year go, and I measure it by some type of standard that you and I set. If it's in business, did I get a promotion? Did I get a bonus? If it's in relationships, did I get my ring by spring? <laughs> just kidding. I just married off another daughter, so... I kept on telling the young man, it don't mean a thing until I see a ring. <laughs> and then he showed up with the ring. Oh, no, now what do I do? <laughs> but for many of us, relational goals like that, or maybe uh, graduating from college in the spring, or some super students graduate earlier a semester, and they graduate in December. Wait, that's the wrong month. But we set goals. But then we come to this day, and oftentimes we are disappointed. Okay, so we vow to start the new year better, in better shape, with more effort, with the right goals, with the right priorities, and we send our prayers to the Lord. Lord, please help me. 
end the cycle of worldly anticipation and short-term peace right after the gifts and the meals begins anew. Short-term peace. Have you been there? Are you there right now? In Psalm 102, I believe that Psalm 102 and 103 combine perfectly in a way that it is a introspective opportunity, I believe, written by David, in which he is reflecting upon many years in the past, his condition, truly evaluating what condition he was in before his great salvation, and then in Psalm 103, contrasting that and saying, and this is now blessing. But when we say that, we have to be careful not to try to interpret the text based upon the culture that we live in. Because if it is based upon the culture that we live in, we might measure blessing in a way and fool ourselves and think we're blessed when really we are not experiencing true blessing. Or we might evaluate things based upon our own interpretation and miss the fact that we are actually living in the middle of blessing. So we go to the words of the psalmist who has experienced that contrast. David, at this point in Psalm 102, felt a desperate need for the Lord's immediate intervention. We'll see in his painful circumstances, his words revealed the intensity of his pain. In Psalm 102, several statements illustrate how he felt. He had lost many good days to suffering. His sorrow had made his bones ache. His emotional state was affecting his physical condition. He felt withered under the heat of his affliction. He had become so preoccupied that he would forget to eat. Consequently, his stomach was growling and he was losing weight and could not sleep. He evidently felt very much alone, like a lonely pelican in the wilderness. He felt as isolated as an owl or a small lonely bird on a housetop. Sometime later, he writes Psalm 103. He now proclaims the lessons he has learned. The truths that come from a loving father. The truths that come in the form of blessing. But what type of blessing? Are you experiencing the blessings that can only be found in Christ? Let's take a look. And so we go to Psalm 102. And we're going to go to Psalm 102. And we're going to focus on the first seven verses. Both Psalm 102 and Psalm 103 parallel themselves really well in that the first few verses of each of the Psalms focuses in on the personal person. So David, I believe, speaking here, and he's saying, personally, this has been my experience. But then both Psalms also then continue on. We won't study all of that this morning, but it goes on to then state, and this is your people, God, Israel, your chosen people, and it describes their conditions in both circumstances. And then it goes at large, it goes to now everyone under the heavens, the whole world, individuals, the earth. And so we'll focus this morning on the personal aspect of Psalm 102 and Psalm 103. It's kind of like reading a personal letter. You know, we don't send out letters very often anymore. I was recently cleaning out... Um, some drawers. Uh, we were shifting some things around our room, and so we went from two big giant dressers to one, and Laura and I are trying to share now. So that's going to be a task in 2019. Can we share one dresser together? What a hardship. <laughs> I've got three drawers. 
perfectly laid out, by the way, you know. Black socks, white t-shirts. Um, but I was going through the uh, drawer, and I uh, occasionally find old notes, and I have a drawer in my office here at the church as well in which I keep old cards, and I uh, can find, I found two letters. One of them was from an aunt that two years ago went home to be with the Lord, and she would write me letters. And every one of my children has a, has a quilt that was knitted by her. And it was one of the last few people that I know that still wrote letters. And then I have one from my, my oldest living uncle, who's close to being in his 90s now. And, and he would write me letters when he would go off from, for six to nine months at a time. He would ship out, and I would write him letters. And he would take paper with outlines, and he would take a ruler, and he would perfectly write out every sentence perfectly straight on the ruler. And I would wait, and when I came, you know, a little kid getting a letter with a stamp on it. And um, I'd open that up, and I'd know it was from him because it was perfectly addressed on the front of the envelope as well. And then I would open it up, and there was the letter, and the words that were penned were personal words. And so right now, David is going to let us into some personal words. And he says in Psalm 102, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let me cry for help. Let me cry for help. Come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. In the day when I call, answer me quickly from his perspective. He is hurting, he is alone, and in his desperation, the only one that he can go to for help is the Lord. And we know that on several occasions in David's life that he would be in this type of state, in the desert. Sometimes it was due to the hands of enemies that were chasing him, even personal friends that would chase him and want to kill him. Other times it was just enemies at large. And sometimes it was at the hands of God. That God placed him in the wilderness so that he might examine himself because some of his very choices placed him in a position of physical, emotional, and spiritual suffering because he was a sinner as well. And so I believe that when he's writing this, that he's potentially reflecting upon the loneliness of the fact that with his relationships around him and all of the physical, emotional, and financial hardships, because he is royalty and he's fleeing, although he is king, all the way to the hardships of being alone because of his own personal sin, and he doesn't have the fellowship that a loving father desires with a son. And so he's crying out for help. Have you been there? He then goes into verse 3, For my days have been consumed in smoke. Things burn up, and then it burns up into smoke, and the smoke dissipates into the sky. And my bones have been scorched like a hearth. So is he speaking physically or is he speaking emotionally? I believe he's speaking both. I believe potentially because of the loneliness and consequence of his life and where he's at, that he's suffering physically, and you and I know what that is like to suffer physically, but he could also be suffering emotionally and spiritually. He is scorched, and his bones are aching, 
My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. And we are getting rain now. And we will see in the spring the grass will grow. But then right about the middle of the summer, the hottest day of the year normally and the one with the least amount of rain perfectly in July, when by then most of the grass around us will be brown. And so he's describing his heart. And the heart is where you make your decisions. The heart is where you make your decisions and where you are also emotionally thinking and it is your will. And he's saying that I'm smitten. It's withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread. Have you suffered so hard? Have you been in such a desert that you might even have a Big Mac next to you and you fail to eat? Think about that. There's a reason why when we experience loss, and in this past year, there are many of you that have experienced loss, there's a reason why we send cards and flowers, but we also send those wonderful casseroles, casseroles, right? By the way, my favorite ever was this one meatloaf that came. It was um, a buffalo meatloaf. Okay, I'm getting distracted again by meat. (laughs) And why do people send those things? Because you're in the middle of a loss, an emotional, relational hardship, and you and I are suffering over the loss of someone that we have lost, and so we will even forget to eat, so people send lots of food. And then you might only take a bite, and David is saying, in the middle of my hardship, I have even forgotten to eat. Because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh, I'm getting wrung out. I'm getting all skinny. And then he says this in these last two verses. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. A pelican. Now, you know, when I was thinking of a pelican, you know, being the father of three little girls, I've watched um, The Little Mermaid on many occasions. By the way, according to CNN, The Little Mermaid is no longer politically correct. Go and read the article. However, Scuttle, what a bird. In The Little Mermaid, Scuttle is like this kind of like absent-minded, a little tipsy, uh, accumulating junk in his mouth. And, and, but you know, one thing that, you know, Disney did get right is that Scuttle, pelicans, they belong by the ocean. And where was David when he's suffering? Well, actually, Israel has a coastline, but most of the areas that are going to be inhabited are actually inland, and it would not have been common for David to be in the wilderness or the desert to see a pelican. A pelican is a little out of place. He's got a big bill, so can you imagine he's saying, it's like a pelican. There's no water around, so he's getting all dried up. And a pelican is supposed to scoop out of the ocean abundance, but no, he's weak. He's like a pelican. Then he goes and he describes two other birds. I have become like an owl of the waste places. Reminds me of when we go to Guatemala and we go to the dump and there's garbage everywhere. Or the waste places where there's no, there, there's no greenery, there are no plants growing, and an owl is in like a wasteland type of situation, and at night when he can't sleep because he's awake at night, his big eyes are looking out and he's saying, who, who, who is out there? No one. And he's all alone. 
He's hungry, and he is looking because he can see in the night. He's looking for a little varmint that might run across the scorched earth so that he might fill his tummy up. But no, he's all alone. And then he goes on and he says, I lie awake. I become like a lonely bird on a housetop. On a housetop, nothing is going on around, and up on the perch is a bird that is all alone, and he's looking around down at the earth for a morsel to eat with no companionship. And David says, this is what describes me when I am hurting, when I'm alone, when I'm suffering. And it's only when you and I understand what our life is like without the living God that then we can understand true blessing. And it is when David is able to understand experientially and from the word of God we also understand what it is like to experience life without blessing. So do you want to experience blessing? Do you want to experience blessing in 2019? Do you want to experience blessing today? Be careful what you ask for. Because if the blessing that you desire is one that you have defined, if the blessing that you are reaching out after with your strong internal heart desires is what the world says you should desire, you and I will be sadly disappointed. We will still thirst. We will still hunger. We will be like a pelican. We will be like a little bird. We will be like an owl. And we will be looking and we will be hungry because all of the blessings that I might define as blessings and all of the blessings that the world might define as blessings will leave us thirsty and hungry and aching and withering away. Oh, but thanks be to God. Because then David reflects now in a personal way. He now writes a letter and he's going to reflect in Psalm 103, a portion of Scripture that amazingly describes now the blessing that he has found, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. To bless the Lord means to thank him because he is the source of all blessings. He's the source of all blessings. By my definition, I might be able to work hard and get some blessings. By the world's definition, we might be able to work hard enough or cheat and steal and manipulate to get blessing by the world's standards. But from David's perspective here and from the word of God, true blessing and only the blessing that will satisfy comes from the living God. He's saying, thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord means to thank him because he is the source of all blessings. Bless the Lord, O my soul, in verse 2, and forget none of his benefits, it says. Do not forget the blessings which you have. So what are those benefits? He then goes into a simple outline, and I believe this perfectly contrasts what we just read in Psalm 102. He says, who pardons all your iniquities. Forgiveness of sin is God's greatest blessing. He describes in his word in Isaiah, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are like red crimson, they will be like wool. We know what real white is, snow. Pacific Northwest, we see the hills right now, and snow is beginning to accumulate. We know that when you get that sweet lamb's wool, that white wool that is sheared and that is made into something, that it's perfectly white, we know that we are not that. Our sin is like scarlet, David is saying. And because he is a God of mercy and forgiveness, he forgives me when I could not forgive myself. He pardons me fully and he gives us the illustration of what it would look like to have this white with red blood on it taken away. Blessing is the forgiveness of sin. We couldn't forgive ourselves. There could be no outdoing our bad by our good. There could be no elevating of ourselves. And look at what he's going to go to, which is what blessing is. He's going to go to qualities, life spiritual qualities. He doesn't necessarily say, and I'm no longer running for my life. But he is saying, all of my sin, what a blessing, who pardons all of your iniquities. Then by contrast, then next, who heals all your diseases, true healing. Well, if it's talking about all-encompassing sin... Healing all of your diseases surely can't only be about healing physical diseases. It's all diseases. And beyond physical diseases, you know what we struggle with? We struggle with the disease of the soul. We struggle with the disease of the mind. Where we are born in sin and trespass, the Word of God says. Also, Scripture describes this in 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. Are you ready? While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Healed of what? Certainly Jesus healed when he was on the earth. He healed the blind. The lame would walk. Those that were in bondage to demons he would liberate. But it was bigger than that. Because the human condition that David is describing in Psalm 102 is more than just a bad physical human condition. It's more than just, I need physical healing. I need internal healing. Because my illness is, I am addicted to sin, I'm addicted to pride. I'm in bondage to my will versus God's will. And the psalmist David is saying, true blessing is I've been saved and I've been healed. 
Notice David still had to die, right? We're all going to die from something physically, whether it's old age. I was reading another article just this week, and there's a, a guy that is the oldest living World War II vet. He's like 112 years old. And they said, um, and it might be off a little bit on that, 112 years old. And he said, uh, what do you attribute the length of your life? And he said, well, you know, good, honest, clean living, God. Um, and I think he said, um, whiskey and cigars. <laughs> he said it, not me. <laughs> so you know that guy's alive and he's been living a long time, but he might be dead. No, I mean, he's physically going to be dead, just a matter of time. It's amazing and awesome that a World War II vet is still alive and that he's that old. We've got a grandfather that is going to be 98. He fought in World War II. Wonderful, but he knows the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's going to die, but he's going to live. And he was recently in the hospital this last couple, two weeks, and we thought maybe Grampy might be going home to be with the Lord. Turns out he's not, so he's planning for the future. Praise the Lord, but he's ready to go home because what? He may be dying physically, but he has been healed spiritually. He has believed in and understood his need for a living Savior, and at a young age, he accepted Jesus Christ, and ever since then, he's been dying, but he's been living. Get it? And so David is saying, he's healed me of all of my diseases, who redeems your life from the pit in verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit. Salvation from the consequences of your sin. This is a confusing one sometimes. Salvation from the consequences of my personal sin because if it were based upon what I could do to somehow get myself saved, I could never do it. I would die in a state of sin in which I could not be saved. So then I would experience the consequences. And the consequences of this disease of pride and sin is eternal separation from God, and we call that hell. But this is a difficult one to understand because oftentimes when we come to faith in Jesus, we've lived life, Jesus the Father perfectly forgives us based upon what Jesus did for us, I begin to experience the blessings that come with salvation, but guess what? Those 30 years that I just lived still has earthly consequences, and those could be relational consequences, could be legal consequences, could be financial consequences, and then I go, Jesus, I thought I was supposed to be forgiven. He says, oh, you are, eternally, but because we're physical people, we're still hurting we go, well, wait, I begin to question that. Really, Jesus, have I really been forgiven? Well, then that right there is a temptation straight from the devil. He wants you to doubt your salvation. Right then there, that is to misunderstand the scriptures that never said that because you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ that the earthly consequences wouldn't be there. Oh, but so often when we then recognize the state that we were in and we repent then we can replace. And when we replace this new perspective of my mind and my heart with real, supernatural, spirit-filled, saved living, oftentimes the consequences of my former life are also reconciled. It's called restoration. And I've seen it. 
I've seen people, I've seen some of you come back from all kinds of bad situations to be saved and to be reconciled with the people around you, to become good citizens, to make a good living, to get out of debt. But if we are only looking to the physical manifestations of the consequences of the choices we've made, we're going to miss it. What are we going to miss? He said, I've forgiven you of everything. I've forgiven you of everything, and I've redeemed you, and I've redeemed your life from the pit, so salvation from the consequences of your sin, and then, listen to this, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, a life of inheritance based upon his love and compassion. And so David, he's a king. He's going to have a son, and he's going to set that son up with all of the wealth that he can physically. And because David was told that he was a man of war and so he could not build the temple, he was told, you can't do it, but your son, he can. And then he was also promised an eternal throne in which his son would sit. And so then Solomon comes on the scene. He has all of this wealth accumulated by his father. It's handed down, inheritance, right? And then he begins to build the temple. The only problem is Solomon was a bad dude. You ever notice that? Solomon did a lot of bad stuff. And by the way, Solomon also physically died. So I guess he wasn't sitting on an eternal throne. And David's going, but I know the promises. And so then that's why Jesus is so important, the son of David. Jesus, the son of David, as he's described in the Gospels, because Jesus, the son of David, comes, and he is the one that then dies for the sin of the world, and then when he goes to be with the Father, he's in a throne, and he's got a crown on, and he is the son of David, seated as royalty with inheritance, and it's eternal, and then he says, because you are my child, because you have placed your faith in me, I give you inheritance. And it's beyond this world. It's an inheritance beyond this world. It's an eternal inheritance. And the top thing with this inheritance is you get to have perfect fellowship relationship with a loving Savior and an eternal Father who is God, the living God. And that relationship so perfectly fulfills you and I for eternity that nothing is better. And that begins here on the earth right now. Do you know that the best thing that you can pursue this 2019 is an active, personal relationship with the living God? If you have yet to come to that conclusion during the holiday times, don't wait until Easter. Place your faith in Jesus. If you have placed your faith in Jesus and you have come upon a time of wilderness, of desert, and you feel like that pelican, that owl, or that little bird, you renew your faith in Christ, not for salvation, but for relationships so that you might thrive and you experience what it's like to be the child of the king. The child of the, the king that has everything that gives abundantly because as a child of the king, you are royalty. But remember, don't define it based upon your definition. Don't define it based upon the world's definition. 
Because you may have abundance from the world's standards and be thirsting internally. Or you could be as poor as a pauper, right? And you could be rich internally and so satisfied that you are walking around like you know you are the child of a king. And people would go, wait a minute, who do you think? Why do you have so much joy? Why do you have so much peace? And, and you, you have the same pair of shoes, that same old clothes that you've been wearing for 30 days because I am a child of the king. And then I love how it closes. Verse five, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The life of true blessing is rooted in what he has already accomplished for you. And the outcome then is eagles remain strong to the end of their lives. Likewise, God enables his people to remain spiritually vigorous until physical death. He contrasts those three types of birds with the eagle. And so what about an eagle? Oh, wait a minute. That's a turkey. And it doesn't really make sense, right? The, the turkey there, he's got his uh, knife and his fork. Who's he going to eat? We know that we all ate him just a couple of weeks ago, right? But do you know that it wasn't until 1782 that the United States chose the eagle as the symbol of our country? Until then, even wise people like Benjamin Franklin wrote that the eagle was a rank coward, a little kingbird, not bigger than a sparrow because he stole fish and food from other birds. But he said, by contrast, I suggest a turkey. He is much more respectable, a bird of courage, a bird that would invade a farmyard with a wonderful coat of splendor. And you know, the turkey puts out his tail. Here's the only problem. Even the psalmist knew, and the way God wrote the scripture, we eat turkeys, but we don't eat eagles. An eagle. Isaiah says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. An eagle soars. And it's not just his own power. An eagle harnesses the wind up in the heavenlies and God lifts him up and he's majestic. And that's why he's on our coins. And that's why he's in scripture. Because an eagle represents royalty. And so child of God, what do you feel like today? A pelican out of water, a little bird, an owl that's hungry, or a soaring eagle? Have you understood? Do you know the Savior Jesus Christ?
How are you ending 2018 and how are you beginning 2019? And is there any need for a change of heart condition or perspective? And it could be that you have yet to realize what it's like to live like a child of a king, like an eagle, because you have yet to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And that is a heart disease condition that you can be healed from simply by faith. Or you've been saved for quite a few years or quite a few days and you feel like one of those birds and the barrier is not the circumstances around you. The barrier is not the people that have failed you, the, the leaders that have failed you, the, the father, the earthly father that has failed you or your current circumstances because you have failed yourself with, yourself with your personal choices. The barrier is your heart condition. And here's the saddest thing is that you are a child of the king, but you are not thriving and living and soaring like an eagle. And so what needs to be changed is this emotional and spiritual heart condition that in scripture is described, although your heart was as stone, he gives you a heart of flesh and it softens up and there's blood pouring through and there's power in that now to experience the blessings that only come from the living God. Are you there? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this year. We thank you for every day. We thank you for every year. And we pray that we would live to the fullest based upon your standards, based upon the reality that we are children of the King, based upon the fact that we have been given new life. And whether it is that we are to live another 40 years or just another 40 days, that we would live life to the fullest that others would observe, that we know a living Savior, that we have believed in a living Savior, and that we are living vibrantly because you have healed us of all of our diseases. And praise the Lord through whom all blessings flow. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.